Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Another, another Superhero, Superhero Movie Podcast. Podcast. I'm Nick, that's Tom, and today we're going to be talking about Avengers Infinity Wars. So we're this is a, a two-part thing we're doing. We're going to talk about Infinity Wars and then next we're going to, we're going to talk about Endgame to kind of bring it all together. Nick, I'm really excited. I love this movie. Yeah. I love both movies. I think we're going to have some great conversation about them. I think there's so much going on. I sure love one of these movies. <laughs> you sure love one <laughs> of these movies. I think it'll be pretty obvious to see yeah. which, which, of the, which one of those movies it is. Right. Uh, but Okay, let's give a little background about this movie, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, so, so Infinity War, um, you know, this is the work of 10 years in the making that, that we had going all the way back from Iron Man 1. Um, you know, we had the Iron Man story, the Captain America story, the Thor story, and then the, the filling out of the Avengers with uh, Black Panther, Black Widow, everyone else, all leading up to this moment, Thanos making his way in person to battle the Avengers in force. So this that's what we were waiting for in this movie. Right. Thanos finally does it himself after all the hype we get here i think it would be easier to name the movie the movie stars this movie doesn't have in it yeah yeah rather than saying you know everyone you got your right. full original you, cast you robert Downey jr chris evans scarlett johansson josh brolin as thanos josh brolin as thanos chadwick boseman again from black panther you just uh, tom holland as peter parker chris hemsworth as thor who doesn't this movie have no one yeah they got everyone. them all they got, they got them, all. them all and well they got more they, for endgame but they missed they missed paul rudd though that's true. That, we don't yeah. have we don't have Ant Man. They had it all minus one. He was uh, he was somewhere else at the moment. He was in the quantum realm. He was in the quantum realm. About to be. Yeah. So this movie made I think this movie made over two billion dollars. I think prior to Infinity War, it was one of the highest grossing world the highest grossing in this franchise worldwide. Mm-hmm. It was only beat domestically by Black Panther. I made $2.2 billion at the box yeah. office. Huge hit. It, originally, this was the sold when it came out as the culmination to the Infinity Saga, to what, all these stuff talking about stones, to the original, everything set up in Iron Man 1. This was it. Right, this moment. And it, and it's the Russo brothers directing. They, they got brought into the MCU, starting back with uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. They gave us Civil War as well. And then they gave us Infinity War and, and Endgame. Right. These the, the two movies we're going to talk about today, it's fitting that we're going to talk about them. Well, the podcast will probably come out a week apart, but we're going to talk about them in one episode, which makes sense because even though they were released a year and a half apart, they were filmed and written at the same time. Yeah, that, that mindset is definitely there. They tell one continuous story, kind of, right. which we'll get into. Right. So with that... Let's get uh, into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So... You know, this movie starts off with Thor, and and I think we want to take it we want to take it through the story of Thor at least up into the final battle because everybody all you know all the core Avengers have their own arc until that final battle where they they pretty much all meet up. Right. So I think we're going to do a little bit different structure of this podcast than we've done with our last few. Uh, this is, by the way, the, our first podcast we're recording post publication of the previous ones so thank you to everyone who's listened yes thank you to uh, our listeners you're, and, and, we gr- you're great we love you and now that we've actually gotten positive feedback we're going to switch up everything uh, yeah. so rather than going through the plot directly we think for this movie at least it's more appropriate to talk about the thor story the captain america story and the iron man story and how they progress because this movie doesn't follow the traditional three-act structure it actually just follows these three separate stories until they all meet together at the end or 
at least in these two distinct arenas. That's right. So the Thor story. The Thor story starts off right at the end of what we saw in Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, Thor was fleeing, you know, fleeing Asgard with the Asgardians, with Loki, and all of a sudden this huge ship comes up. So now we see in, in this movie what that ship was. Of course, it's Thanos' ship. Right. And right away we see that this ship is overpowered the Asgardians, it's wrecked the ship, basically torn it almost in half. People are lying wounded on the ground. Thor's being held by his neck or the scruff of his shirt. He's you can see he was beaten, Loki's beaten down, Heimdall's wounded. Basically all the good feelings from Ragnarok are just, just completely gone. thrown out the window. Yeah. So that's that that's the imposing starting point. And Thanos is looking, of course, for the uh, the Tesseract. The Tesseract. For the space stone. Right. Um, he and, wants he ha- and he already has the power stone. Right. Which, as we learn late, later on in the movie, he got by visiting Xandar, which it, it, the power stone was kept at the end of Guardians 1 with the Nova Corps, with John C. Riley and with Glenn Close. But unfortunately, because all their ships died at the end of Guardians 1, they were not able to stop Thanos. They were, they were powerless. They had the best chance and they blew it. They blew it completely. Yeah. So, so now here we are. Thanos seems like he can get uh, the Tesseract, but if only he can find it. And um, he's got he's got Thor right where he wants him, and he finds Loki and he threatens uh, to torture Thor, kill Thor. Right. So we all, we're also introduced to some of the children of Thanos in this scene. Right. We've got Ebony Maw, who's really the only character among them, and then we have a whole bunch of the other guys. We have a Sword Guy, we got Hammer Guy, yeah. and we've got Sword Girl. Right. That pretty much they Ebony have, Maw is a cool one. Yeah, they have some backstory, but like we sure don't find it in this movie. No, not yeah. at all. You've got and even in Endgame, I think I remember the one guy saying, But sire our troops and he yeah. like, who gives a fuck. Right. That that's uh I think that's sword I think, guy. I think you're uh, thinking about Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so we, we're introduced to them and they're they're clearly like another level of, of, of power in this movie. Um, so Loki first plays his trickster element, and then very quickly, as as you know, Thor's in like uh, about to get killed, gives up the game, gives up the Tesseract. Right, but not before he has one final trick to play. Here's the Tesseract. You may have it, but now we have a Hulk. A Hulk. And so we get a Hulk and Thanos battle, which is definitely something that people were looking for, like huge. Titan versus, you know, probably strongest man on earth. Strongest Avenger. Strong, strongest Avenger. And it was kind of a, a little bit, uh, I was a little bit uh, surprised at uh, Hulk's performance. He really got beat down bad. So there's a concept in wrestling called a, a jobber, where if I remember, I'm not a huge fan of wrestling, but basically when they're introducing a new character to show how strong they are, they have them beat up an established character. Mm-hmm. That people know and people like and think is strong. So essentially, Hulk serves as the jobber here, where Thanos just comes in, beats the shit out of him, really without breaking a sweat. Yeah. E- Ebony Maw, like the ch- one of the children, the Hammer children of Thanos, comes and tries to help, and Ebony Maw is like, "Eh, he's got it. Don't even yeah. worry about it." I don't think Thanos even uses the Power Stone in this fight. No. Seems just beats him up with boxing skills. Yeah. And it makes it clear one that he can go toe to toe just in terms of toe-to-toe with the Hulk in terms of raw strength, but two, that he's got skills. He's ducking and weaving, he's jabbing. Well, the Hulk fights just because he's the strongest. Thanos knows and what he's doing. he just doing. tries to clobber everything. Yeah, Thanos has probably fought people as tough as the Hulk 
all across the galaxy. And, has, and it seems like has won yeah. those fights. Yeah, he's won. And so he, he makes short work of the Hulk, and he's just, like, down for the count not not too long in this fight. And that was really that was really the one trick that might have worked. Right. Um, now yeah. that that hasn't worked, the, they're screwed. Right, right. And so, you know, Thanos has got the Tesseract. Um, he's got everybody right where he wants him. And Loki makes a last, you know, deception ploy, swears fealty to Thanos, goes right up to him and then he gives the hint that he's that he's really not serious about it because he said you know he's giving his titles and one of his titles he says is Odin's son and we know how much he hates being known as Odin's son I actually think it was a see actually that that's funny because I think that was a different I took it differently yeah I, I took that he really rather than introducing his in, pre, in previous movie he introduced himself as Loki of Jotunheim without the Odin son here he says Odin's son, not as a, I'm lying, but I think it's because he's almost accepting his death. He's accepting that he's Thor's brother. Oh, yeah, and even though he doesn't too. love Odin, he has no love for Odin, he does have love for Thor at this point, especially after Ragnarok. So I'm not sure he even thinks this trick he's playing with trying to stab Thanos is going to work. But I think he knows, as we'll talk about sacrifices later, I think yeah. the first sacrifice in this movie is made by Loki. Yeah. Believe it or not. I do. Does it, what does it give? Do you think he understands Thanos' logic? Is th- it like one brother for the other? I think he that knows... Duality? I think he knows no matter what, is it, even if he succeeds in killing Thanos because of the amount of people and everyone there, he's going to die because Ebony Maw's right there, Hammer yeah. Guy's there. He's going to die, and he knows he wasn't strong enough to fight them off anyway. But he knows that killing Thanos is the most important thing, so if he can do that... Then it's worth his life, which is a huge arc. For, it's a huge arc for Loki, considering for Loki, he was in a shorter in a short time in this movie. Obviously, he's been coming, he's been going to that. He was the Ragnarok. villain. He was the villain in the first Avengers movie, and here yeah. we are in the first scene of this latest Avengers movie, sa- trying to sacrifice himself to kill the big bad of this movie. Right, right. So, yeah, I I think you're totally right in him being the first sacrifice of the movie. So there's one. So once he sacrifices himself, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately Thanos is Thanos, too smart. He sees right through it. Doesn't even come close to him. And catches him and kills Loki, which is a rough moment. Especially for Thor. We see... this is Marvel does a funny thing. We've talked about this a little bit with Spider-Man, how Marvel expects you to have seen every movie. Marvel expects you to have seen Ragnarok, especially, one, because this movie starts off right after it. Right. But two, because... The relationship between the two brothers was really developed in Ragnarok and how close they are. And Loki dying in front of Thor in this scene doesn't hit hard without their development in Ragnarok. And the audience knowing Loki and like loving Loki as one of their favorite characters. Which, exactly, because which, he's so great. Man. You know, you, you've you've like seen that over the years that he's he he has been Marvel's most popular villain for a while until until he, until he turned into. A little bit of an anti-hero. His most, their most popular anti-hero. Yeah, perhaps. Right. So, anyway, so in MCU at least. In the MCU. Yeah. Right. We're not gonna get into you know a Walter, certain, a Walter White Deadpool. or yeah. Dead. Oh, okay. Super. Yeah. Yeah. This is a superhero movie podcast. Let's, right. let's stick it to that. Okay. So now, anyway, into the scene. Yeah. Loki dies. Thor's distraught. Basically. And, and Thanos disappears. Thanos, using the Tesseract. Thanos disappears, and this is actually a good precursor to the rest of the movie, Thanos' whole thing, his whole deal. He has Thor kind of locked up in metal 
at his whim, could very easily kill Thor. He could kill Hulk. He could kill Heimdall. He doesn't do any of that. He just says, I have what I came here for, and he pieces. He says, yeah. here where the other stones are. Let's go get him. He doesn't care about killing indiscriminately in this movie. He care, he he wants to kill indiscriminately on a global scale, on a universal scale. Uh, oh, but, discriminately, though. But not for his own gain or pleasure or really until he fights. Yeah, he has know. this, like, twisted up to an intergalactic level, this view that I need to, like, cull the forest. He, like, you know, there's, there's too many, you know, there's too much, you know population growth out there it's like this malthusian concept right and we'll talk about a lot yeah, more about Thanos which is later. amazing but overall he very much subscribes to the belief that a million deaths is a tra- is a statistic one death is a tragedy yeah especially here right so anyway right before the ship is evaporating and right before they leave heimdall is able to summon the bifrost and send bruce banner who's retreating right. Hulk, Hulk turning tr- into bruce Hulk banner turning into bruce banner as they fly to space to Earth, yeah. and from there, Bruce Banner leaves the Thor plot. Right. Not not to be seen again in this plot until the battle, the final battle in Wakanda. Right. Uh, and now Thor kind of leaves the Thor plot at first for a little while. Yeah, he he comes off screen for a bit, but um, and, and you know we get introduced to to some of the other storylines, but then Thor comes back, kind of right where he left off. Right, floating through space. Floating through space. We get a great scene introducing yeah. the Guardians. Right, and it's a classic Guardian scene because it's got you know old time music to it and like rubber fun band, and rubber, like, band, rubber band, band, band. And, and and it was actually written by James Gunn. Those, that scene. All the scenes with the Guardians wow. were written by James Gunn, and were helped they helped the Russo shoot it. So I think there's a very distinct Guardians feel to these scenes. That's true. Uh, and because it's because they're written by James Gunn. So we have a very distant Guardian scene. They pick up Thor. They're responding to a distress call. Classic Guardian stuff. They find Thor. They bring him in. There's some great banter between yeah. especially Thor and Chris Pratt. The, the banter of everyone on the team just making uh, Chris Pratt, making uh, Star-Lord jealous. They're just, like, admiring Thor. And how great and, Thor is. Yeah. I, what it, Drax calls him something like, uh, like if a pirate and an angel had a baby, had a baby. it's just hilarious. And even Gamora's like his muscles or like their plutonium it's, fibers. Yeah, as he's like stroking his arm. Yeah, so so Star Lord is like definitely feeling inadequate from that, and then Thor wakes up. Thor wakes up. They have some more banter. There's a hilarious right. scene where they they're copying they, deep voice. They compare how sad their their family life has and childhood has right. been. Right, right, which is this constant sort of. Uh, Basically, how Thor bonds with everyone is like, oh, everyone's got a messed up family. Right. I do also. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know that James Gunn wrote that, but it makes total sense to me now. He at least wrote that initial hilarious. Guardian scene. Yeah. Uh, so so now, um, basically we just devolve into the two plots. We'll talk about the one Guardians plot as it because it relates more to the Iron Man story. Right. Uh, so we'll pick that up then. But the second Guardians plot follows Thor, Rocket. And tree, yeah, a teenage group as they go to see Peter Dinklage and yeah. see Tyrion Lannister and right. get in magic. a magical in a magical Moria that is in space, right? Space Moria, yes, called Nevedalier. Wow, in I this, can't in this movie. We literally just rewatched that scene of this movie, and I could not for the life of me remember what it was. That was it, impressive. It sounds like a dwarf name. It, it from it does. It really know, does. The Lord of the Rings. But, so so they get to Nevedalier. Yeah. 
Uh, and basically what we find out there is Tyrion Lannister, I don't know, Peter Dinklage, <laughs> the Dink, Peter the Dinklage Dink. is, a, is a dwarf at this, right. on this planet. Right, he's, and, he's a 30 foot tall blacksmith. And it's a planet full of blacksmiths. They use uh, a dying star. This is right. the planet that forged Mjolnir. Right. And they apparently it, they have an exchange with Asgard where they forge the weapons of Asgard, but right. in exchange they get they're under Asgard's protection. Yeah, but then the orcs came and they destroyed the mines. Or I think that's a different oh, movie actually. That's a different I, movie I know, again. I know, I know. Right. Surprising. Right. So in this movie, Thanos comes. And it's kind of a reveal that Rocket sees the prototype of it. It's revealed Thanos came to have his gauntlet made on this planet. Right. And so we see the mold of the gauntlet. And then we meet, you know, Peter Dinklage's character. And his hands that made the gauntlet have now been welded. Like, he, they're, they're just, like, blocks for hands. So I want to talk about the Infinity Gauntlet for a second. I think this is the best place to do it. Yeah. So in Thor Ragnarok, when Hela is walking through the throne room of Asgard... We see a scene where she's look where she's looking at the artifacts. She sees the Tesseract when she's walking to the flame. And among the things she sees is she sees the Infinity Gauntlet, and as a joke and a wink to the audience, she knocks it over and says, "This is fake." Hmm. But that means they had a replica of the Infinity Gauntlet. They had things that they had things that existed here that there might be a way to channel all the Infinity Stones or at least in they, Asgard. Yeah. So was the mold? Because when I first watched the movie. I was like the mold. I thought the mold was made by Thanos, and he just kind of brought it mm-hmm. to there and said, "Make this with my designs." Yeah. But now I think the Infinity Gauntlet might have been a thing. They just never had a reason to actually make. But Thanos gave them a reason. Yeah. Or are they? Or they? I guess they made it, and it was on Asgard, and then Asgard was destroyed. I don't think that's what it was. I think they just Asgard came up with the idea. Yeah. And that's why the fake. Gala was right. there. But it is kind of, I did notice that just when I was thinking about Ragnarok that it wasn't made by Thanos. I think it was just, it was already a concept that they had, at least the blacksmiths had thought about before, a way to harness the Infinity Stones. Uh, because they're 30, just 30 blacksmiths chilling out a thing. What else are they going to do with their time? Right. That they're, their kind of favorite thing is making weapons. Right. So. So, we, so we find out for the convenience of the plot that Thanos, who really doesn't deviate from his killing 50% of a planet, decides, you know what? I'm going to kill 29 out of the 30 people. I'm only going to leave this one guy alive. Yeah. Because we need the drama of Thor opening the thing himself. And if there were 15 other people, we wouldn't have that drama. Right. So Peter Dinklage is the only one because he was the one who actually created Thanos' hammer. And then in exchange, Thanos kills the rest of the dwarves, leaves him alive, but binds up his hands in some way. Yeah, like a pharaoh burying his architects in his pyramid. Pretty much. He can never be a blacksmith again. Until literally about ten seconds later, when he becomes a blacksmith. Yeah, he realized he didn't. He just kind of. It was all in his head. It was all his mind. Right. All that he mattered. Needed. So anyway, here we have we have Thor, and Thor needs to. They need to kickstart this star because right now the star has gone dormant. Star is pretty much pretty right. sad right. from all the people dying. So they need to kickstart the star, get it going again. So they can forge. The super weapon needed, the titan killing weapon. Get the metal hot enough to melt it down into the... It's actually a really easy... I didn't know blacksmithing was so easy. In this, yeah. The way this movie makes it seem, you heat up some metal, you pour it into a mold, and you immediately just start punching it with your metal <laughs> hands. That's how the hammer's forged. Because it made magic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but Thor, based, this is like the Thor's moment in this movie, his inner moment where uh, they spin around and 
The he, star starts shooting. It, it starts heating up the metal, but right. the, lat, the latch breaks. Right. So it needs to be held open so that the forge can keep going just a little bit more. And that's where Thor steps in and he's like, I'm going to... I'm going to take gonna this, hold it open. take the full force of this star. I am still strong. I'm yeah. going to hold it open. And he does hold it open for a while as, and eventually, you know, gets it done and then just drifts back to the, the second he gets it done, base. he drifts back. And it's not, and, and to stop for a second, you know, we see a lot of sacrifice moments in this movie. This one isn't quite a sacrifice moment. Right? It's not. It's it, not. It's more like a, I, I know I'm strong enough moment. It's like a confidence moment because it's a confidence moment. You could build the weapon, but if he's not there to ca- to carry the weapon, there's no point. And I think it's a more than, even it's a confidence moment, but more than a sacrifice moment, it's a desperation moment. Which I think is prevalent in that I think this kind of t- and we can we'll talk about it at the end of Thor's arc, but I think this his whole arc is desperation, and it's acceptance that he's not good enough in the way he is right now. So I think he knows he he just faced Thanos. He can't kill Thanos without this. So in his mind, and he knows he's on a collision course to face him again, his mind he's either going to die at the hands of this star or he's going to die at the hands of Thanos unless he gets this axe. So it's not really a sacrifice because in his in his mind he's dead either way. The yeah. only thing that could possibly change is him forging this weapon. And this is the second time he's felt outmatched. Like, right. Hela really shook him up. Exactly. It's, it's the second time in a, in a span of what is canon can't be more than a week. Yeah. If that, right. maybe a few days. Right. Yeah. You know, that movie, he learns a little bit of, uh, you know, my powers are more than Mjolnir, more than the hammer. But even then, he, he can't really defeat Hela. Right. He has to surrender to a greater force, in that case, the 80-foot-tall fire monster. Right. And have him kill Hela. Right. So I guess he's he's learned his limitations. Right, which is a so big part of So it speaks Thor. to the desperation in this. So he's ex- it's a desperation, it's an acceptance that he, without this, isn't good enough. Right. So, but luckily for him, he needs the axe, and the hammer is, and the axe yeah. is forged. Right. And he gets it, he gets and the, stormed. And the handle. So so the one, the one real great Groot moment in this is, they need the handle for the axe, and they need it quick. And so Groot, you know, teenage Groot, who... Can't be bothered throughout this movie. Playing his video games. Yeah, playing his video games. Cursing up a storm. Steps steps in and and realizes that he can do it and and he extends his arm out to become the handle and chops it off. And then and, in and, doing so, he completes the axe. And it's Stormbreaker with the arm of Groot. With the arm of Groot. Yeah. And that and that really completes the Thor plot. The Thor plot is the briefest one, and we take, it's almost like a detour from the rest of the movie as it goes along, and. I think it's only really one. It, obviously, he comes back at the end and plays a huge part in the Battle of Wakanda and has a huge impact in that scene. But I think it just this almost completes his arc from from Ragnarok, where we talked about his lack of it, his at first his lack of acceptance that he can't do without the hammer, and that a lot of people have commented that it goes against Ragnarok because in Ragnarok he figures out I can fight without my hammer my hammer's not right. me but here he gets another weapon and because he needs it I think it more I think it actually as we were talking about I think it continues his art from Ragnarok because his art from Ragnarok isn't about the weapon it's about the met like Korg says the hammer's the metaphor right and here the axe is the metaphor for his acceptance and his real his just realization of his limitations and his acceptance of help his acceptance so, of help. Yeah. His acceptance of help, his acceptance of friends, which he learns along the way when he tries to... Because Thor has never really been a true 
Avenger. He's always right. He's, even he's off planet. Even in the Avengers movies. Even in the first Avengers movies, he comes to blows right off the bat. Right, and even and in the second one, he leaves for a long time to go get answers, and to go set up Thor Ragnarok. Right. With, not even about the plot of Age of Ultron. Yeah. So it really doesn't do a lot in terms of team, but in Ragnarok, he builds the Revengers team to try to get accept help. He knows he needs it. He can't do it himself. And in this movie, and in that in Ragnarok, even up to the point where he needs to kill the planet of Asgard to save the people. And in this movie, he is willing to do whatever it takes, even if even if it's taking maybe an ego hit and acknowledging that he needs this axe in order to beat Thanos. He can't do it himself. Right. He needs the help. Right. So that's the Thor arc. Yeah. That's, so that's the Thor arc, and that and we'll see him again as we get to, to the you know, Battle, Battle of Wakanda. Wakanda. The, the the second arc that we see is the Iron Man arc, yes. and um, we get a little bit of you know peace and quiet for Iron Man before the you know he's he's aware of Thanos and those troubles. Right, he's hanging out with Pepper Potts. He's hanging out with Pepper Potts. We get uh, some heavy foreshadowing for you know his life as we'll see it in Endgame. He's talking about how he had a dream where they had a kid right. named Morgan. Um, we'll come back to that. I'm sure we will. Um, you know, it was an interesting element and in how he's going to, how he's going to give up the superhero life. He'll do it in a minute. Right. And, um, and then all of a sudden we hear that we see the great circle, the great circle, the, the circle, uh, that Dr. Strange creates. This Iron Man story is very tied up in both Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. Right. And Again, assuming that you've seen these movies, that's what Marvel it, likes to do. It makes you assume you've seen these movies and... Doctor Strange is so weird because I thought the Doctor Strange movie, which I'm sure we'll we'll get to that movie eventually. We have a lot of these to go through. Yeah, I thought the movie was good. I thought it was fine. I thought it was like a Captain Marvel tier, middle of the road origin movie where it's good but not great. And that's what kind of where I put the Doctor Strange movie. But I think Doctor Strange is a character in his like brief in Thor briefly in Thor Ragnarok in this movie and his briefly being an endgame yeah. I think he's so good in these ensemble movies he I, I like him even in his solo movies because in his ensemble movies he usually gets the jokes like he's very witty which he's, is awesome he's got a great and dry that's like, humor in he's the, always in like like that character had it day one like he he got it before he became Doctor Strange when we know right. even when he was Stephen Strange the medical doctor or he was just like, the doctor we introduced him but I also like um, you know I feel like those movies He's got such an interesting world, too. That, he does. That's, it's a world that's so different than I, I the other like, ones. I like the interplay of his world with the more grounded scientific world we've seen in the rest of the movies. Yeah. And that's what I think my favorite part is. So we'll talk about it later, but my favorite scene in the movie is the fight on Titan between part of the Avengers and the Guardians versus, versus Thanos. Thanos. And one of the best parts of that is the Doctor Strange one-on-one versus Thanos, where it's magic against raw power. Right. Which I think is a great dynamic. Uh, but anyway, here we are. We see Iron Man. See, He meets Doctor Strange, and it turns out the reason he meets Doctor Strange is because Bruce Banner, back from the Thor plot, tumbling into this plot, fell into this sanctorum yeah. where Doctor Strange and Wong are living, and pretty much apparently no one else, even yeah. though about 8,000 wizards show up in Endgame. But... Whatever. They were in the other places. They were sure. They were in New York. Yeah, New York's not a popular. They were in one. like Tibet. Yeah, they were in the yeah. other one. They were in Kal, whatever, Khmer, Khmer or something. Yeah. From the other movie. Uh, but anyway, 
he basically says Thanos is coming. Yeah, which is which is an amazing shot. Like I think they used it in the trailer too, but it just it opens the title sequence for the movie, which is awesome. His it's voice, like, his voice, Bruce like, Banner's voice is hoarse. Yeah. He's covered in rubble, and he just Thanos is coming, and then you you hear the yeah, theme and the title so, song comes yeah. up. And it's, it's great. Right. And they basically use a smaller version of that to give the gravity to Iron Man that, like, this is real. Like, Iron Man's real. Like, like, Bruce, you know, Bruce Banner comes out and he's like, Thanos, he basically kind of says it again that Thanos is coming and that Thor is gone and all this stuff. And here we have kind of an, a little bit of an interplay because one at one hand, Tony Stark is acknowledging that he's, he's not really surprised by that this Thanos is coming. He's been having these visions. He's had these nightmares. Go back to Age of Ultron, where he had the vision from Wanda, right. uh, from Scarlet Witch, which made him see this here, this future where the Avengers lost. He's known this threat is coming at some point. But at the same time, even though he understands the severity of this and that they can lose, he plays it off very much like, we're, just, we're gonna win. Yeah, because this, that's is, this is just arrogance. another day. This is just another day. And it's present throughout the Avengers. They have this arrogance. And really with the exception of Thor, Thor has the this acceptance. I think that's why Thor is the most successful of the Avengers in this movie. He yeah, is able to almost mortally wound Thanos. He's, because already, had, he's already seen the loss. He's already he's like appreciated the gravity of it. He's accepted it. Yeah. And the rest of them have it, at least in this movie. They, get, they may get there. Because his world, he's seen his world have to be destroyed. You know, I'll be it for another reason. But, but yeah, he's already like shaken with that. Right. But anyway, Iron Man is still Iron Man. He's quipping. He's yeah. touching things. He's and, and very soon after they're introduced... They all of a sudden have to battle the henchmen of Thanos, who've come down to try to snatch the time stone the time from stone. Doctor Strange. Right. And so you get a battle with um, Ebony Maw. Ebony Maw. You have a battle with the Hammer guy. Um, basically, you have Bruce Ebony Maw is like the the prophet guy, right? He yeah, he's the one that's rejoice. Yes. You know, citizens of Earth, you're about to be liberated by the children yeah. of Thanos. He reminds me a lot of. Uh, you know, Sauron's mouth, or the mouth of Sauron. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Just, just the, the creepiness of it. Is I just very kind similar. of view him as Squidward because that's what Iron Man yes. call, calls him. In that that scene. was so good. That was so good, and it's, it means get lost, Squidward. And I appreciate it. Like, I, I, at least that's a that's like a joke that works for like the mid age group too. It's like they're yeah, all I think especially specifically for our yeah our age group, we would who, know that. Parents who watched SpongeBob, SpongeBob yeah. still like just stopped filming like what, not filming, but just stopped coming out what, yeah. two years ago. That's unbelievable. So it's re- yeah, it's still recent, I guess. Yeah, even but for kids now. But Iron Man is awesome. Yeah, he's quipping away, and they're and they're doing they're doing pretty well um, against this guy for the mo- these guys for the most part. Um, had Bruce, they had they had the Hulk in this scene, they probably they would they would have knocked him down. Yeah, right. Yeah, but the Hulk, you know, Bruce Banner tries to get the Hulk. To, to switch out with him and the Hulk is like afraid like he's he's been so shaken by his loss to Thanos that he doesn't appear and he and he and he like half comes out and then stops so Bruce Banner is like out of this fight the Hulk got used to the comfortable life of living in the Grandmaster's palace he should have stayed there it was the best yeah life he should have you know if him and Banner could have separated he probably would have stayed there yeah but Hulk is not willing to come out so essentially Banner just needs to be protected throughout this fight which leads to Wong leaving, leads to Iron Man being distracted, 
Um, yeah, Spider-Man, who uh, quickly picks up on, you know, using Spidey Sense or Peter Tingle, as it will later well, be Well, we get his hair standing up yes. when he's on the bus. Right. And we have the great, a little Ned cameo. Yeah. Like, everyone, we're going to die when he yeah. says the Right, the distraction, distraction. could have been anything. And he, and he used the real... <laughs> he just uses the real points of the big spaceship. Yeah. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Which is... It works. It's effective. Yeah. Peter's able to slip off unnoticed. Right. So he joins in, and he helps out right away. But these guys are distracted. they got other things going on. And Doctor Strange gets snatched. Doctor Strange gets snatched, and in doing so, both Iron Man and, it turns out, Peter Parker fly up. They fly, and, yeah. They follow the spaceship. Follow the spaceship. Uh, and this is where we see the Iron Spider for the first time. Yes. So Peter Parker is starting to, you know, get exhausted and, and lose it as he's holding on to the spaceship. Spider-Man keeps telling him to drop off, go home, go home. And then finally, uh, you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man, sends one of his many, you know, satellite kind of rockets. Right. S- sends it from Avengers headquarters and it flies up and he's like, I got something for you. And then right as Peter Parker falls... He meets up with the with the rocket and it turns into the the Iron Spider suit. Right, which immediately is, I mean, it looks so much cooler in this movie than it does in uh, Far from Far, Far from, from Home. Home. Yeah, yeah, which it's a great shot where he's falling, then he kind of gets up. He he sees, he feels more powerful. The legs come out. It to has catch that metallic him. look to it, like you can tell that he's part of the Iron Man team. Right. Yeah, he's team. Yeah. He is team Iron Man. It right. Finally, got his uniform from Civil War. Right. So here, here he is. He's now he's part of it. He's a stowaway, as Iron Man says. Yeah. And this is really where we see the continuation of the Iron Man Spider Man relationship mm-hmm. develop from Far From Home. So in the, from uh, Homecoming. Yeah. So it started in Civil War a little bit, progressed through Homecoming, and here this is really, this is where we start. They they quip at each other, they banter. There's definitely a really strong mentor-mentee relationship going on. Yeah, and and you see a lot of Spider-Man growth that we, we you know we appreciated it when when we were going through Far From Home, right. but you know the, his his going right into the fire in this movie is is definitely a big part. Of yeah, it. we highlighted this line. Of him saying you can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man without if there's no neighborhood to right. save. He understands this is a global threat. This is something he needs to do. He feels a responsibility. He has great power and he feels a great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. It's Spider-Man being classic Spider-Man. And then something I appreciated only when we watched this recently. So there are there's stowaways on the ship. Uh, obviously, Doctor Strange is being held um, by Thanos's people. And he's and he's like gonna be like tortured, experimented on, so that he can give up the uh, the time stone, the time stone, um, the Eye of Agamotto. And um, they see that going on, and Spider-Man and Iron Man are there looking on. And what I didn't appreciate, you know, I, I always appreciated it as a as a joke. They kind of do the same joke as they do in Civil War. Like he gets an like he gets an idea from a movie. Like in this one, he says, "You ever see that that old movie Aliens? That super old movie. The Aliens. super old movie Aliens." And it's 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 funny. It's like a good joke, but it's also their way to introduce like Spider Man as like a tactics guy. In a way, like yeah, this is the second time that he's come up with a successful plan that like adults have used, and maybe it's like part of them making him the leader of the new Avengers. I, I think I that think was, so. that was Captain America's role role yeah. was, was call the plays. 
And I think even uh, you know, we obviously we see it in in like you said in Civil War with the when he's talking about Star Wars. Yeah, and he's talking right. About Empire taking, Strikes taking Back. Taking down big a giant man. Yeah. But we see it here, and, and even and they try to play it. They do play it off as a joke, because even Iron Man t- says to Maul, "Yeah, but the kid's seen more movies." Right. Right before they shoot him into space. Right. Yeah. So they use they use that trick. They distract they distract him, and then. Um, as they do that, they knock they knock a hole in the ship, which in the, in the force of space sucks both Ebony Maw and Doctor Strange into space. But luckily, Peter using the Iron Spider suit is able to catch Doctor Strange and drag him back to the ship. Right. And Tony's magic nanotechnology is able to repair the ship. There are no problems. Right. They, they ice it up. Yeah. And Ebony Maw is down for the count. That's like the first casualty on the Thanos side in this movie. Yeah, that's kind of kind of surprising to me when I was watching this movie because they really do play him up as just such a badass even compared to the other villains you know he's flicking away his own teammates right. he's very detached he seems to be the number two he definitely seems that way and this is a huge win for for the for the heroes right killing his Thanos is number two and it gives it gives you a, a hope that well if they killed this guy maybe they have a chance against Thanos right right so so it gives them the more and more the confidence they can do this and you see that again and what happens after it. So now they're on the spaceship by themselves. They're saying like, oh, okay, you know, we'll turn this around. And then Iron Man has the idea, what if we don't do that? Right? What if we take the fight to him? Right. So what do you think? What did you think a little bit about that? Is it more of the arrogance or? So I think, I actually think this falls more into the sacrifice play rather than the arrogance because it, it may be arrogant to not, think that you need everyone presenting a united front to kill Thanos. But I also think that the reason it's Tony especially didn't want Peter on this trip was he he viewed it as a one-way trip. This is this is almost like what he did in Avengers. This it's is like, what he did in Avengers. It's he like, flew himself into space not expecting to come back. Yeah. And I think that's why he did it. And I think when he makes the decision here, I think in his mind, he thinks it's the, that's the best way to kill Thanos, is if we do this... I also think he expects... He, again, they don't even know how to fly this ship. Right. He can't get home. He has no idea where he's going. They expect... I think he expects to die. But if he kills Thanos, it was worth it. Yeah. So... So we have a sacrifice here. I think at least in theory. The, in the willing... Yeah. He, like, you think he's already decided it by the point that he's on the ship. I do think that. I think even when he was going up there... You, he had, you see the brief phone call with Pepper where right. he's really just reassuring her, but not very not very vociferously, not forcefully. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's because he knows that in his mind, he's willing to make this a one way. He's not thinking about how to get home. Yeah. He's just thinking about, let's kill Thanos. So, anyway, we get here. Now Now it's a great, now we have a great scene coming up mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Guardians versus Avengers. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Where there's a bit of mistaken identity. And right. Even... They- in a world, in a universe full of aliens, Peter Quill and them attack another group of human-looking guys. Right. Which is so, like, does Thanos have any humans work, look, working for him? And Peter Quill just doesn't, like, his knowledge of Earth is so weird, too. Yeah. It's a very small moment, like, like, but he knows, you know, he knows, um, what, what was the thing that he had mentioned before? It was like he he clearly knew about modern Earth in in mo- modern Earth because yeah. they talk about Kevin Bacon yeah they talk about Footloose but that that's kind of that's from back in the day I know the scene in this movie that tri- the scene in this 
the part in this scene that triggers it yeah. is when Tony asks him, who do you serve? So what do you expect me to say? Jesus. Yeah. Which is kind of kind of great. Yeah. And he says, no, right. I'm not from Earth. I'm, I'm from Missouri. Missouri. So he's That's on Earth. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really sure what mod. I don't, I don't know what modern um, thing he re- thing Peter references. But, but anyway, they had this fight eventually because of that break in the action where they both realize, oh, we're on the same team. We're both from Earth. We're right. the we're the Avengers, man. We both want to fight Thanos. We both want to fight Thanos. Peter says we're the Avengers after being knighted as an Avenger by Tony yes. in the scene previously. Mm. Uh, and they decide to team up and they crash land on Titan. And now they have a little bit of time before Thanos gets there because they know he's still chasing. The plan was to meet back on Titan with Ebony Maw, who was going to retrieve the Time Stone. Right. So they Thanos is coming to them. They know Thanos is coming and they start devising a plan. Right. We don't necessarily see all the plan, but they're just like, it seems like there's two different, like the Guardians are a lot more loose and they just want to fight them. Even though... Well, here's the thing. So the plan is Peter's. Is Peter Quill's. Yeah. The plan they use is Peter Quill. And I think, I think it's implied that it is because he gets the line of, that plan's great, but it sucks, and here's mine, and it's better. Yeah. And at the end, he brags to Thanos, this was my plan. This was my right, plan. Right, he would say it. So the only thing that... So right before the end of the Iron Man scene, before the final battle on Titan, the last thing we have is... Doctor Strange viewing 14,605 possible universes mm. where they win one time. Like, what, what do you think about this? Um, I mean, obviously, like, it, it's plot helpful that there, that there's the one time. It gives them an out, um, right? But it, it's, it's... I thought it was a really cool moment because it gives so much hype for what would come after this movie and so much speculation over it. Like, how did that work? What What... Need, like why why do the other choices that Doctor Strange makes in the rest of this movie like matter and like why did he make them? It's not all explained in this movie. No, it's not really yeah. explained at all in this movie, and it's really not explained until the very 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 end of Endgame. And you see in Endgame, I like the payoff of Endgame. Sometimes, as we'll talk about in the next in our next episode, Endgame doesn't pay off everything set up in this movie, unfortunately. But I think it really pays off this scene. Very well, because yeah. it shows that not just every Doctor Strange is feeling kind of hopeless because it's not like he can't guarantee anything. Basically, right. if the rat doesn't come into the car, so if there's 14 million outcomes, maybe everything happens the same up until the point where the rat's in the van in five million of them, yeah. but in a bunch of scenarios, the rat doesn't do what he does. So it's almost out of Doctor Strange's control, and he knows he can just get it up to a point. So I think it's almost that. Here we're seeing the same thing, the same theme of the Avengers are most effective when they accept what they can actually do. Doctor Strange realizes there's a lot not in his control. Right. He can only do what he can do. He doesn't try to fight it and say, I'm going to use the Time Stone anyway, even though if I try, we're going to lose. And, and, and his personality, maybe at least in the middle of Doctor Strange, like before he had his growth, would have done that. Exactly. His personality was so arrogant. It was so much like early Tony Stark. It, that he would have been like, I don't care, I'm gonna, I'm he, gonna fight. He would have said, I would, I'll find the fourteen million six hundred and sixth yeah. chance where we're gonna win in my way. Right. And then that's what he would have done, but he does it in this movie, and he ultimately ends up being right because he accepts. Yeah. So I think that's in a way what, he's like Thor. He's got more insight. 
Exactly. The, the characters in this movie that succeed and do well are the ones that accept their loss. And for most of the characters, they don't until it's too late, right. until Endgame, when they actually do. And that takes us into, I think, when we're rewatching this movie, one of the most surprisingly arrogant characters in this movie and the, and the one who least demonstrates acceptance, Captain America. Which is I kind mean, of shocking. Captain America has taken... I, I, I really like the Captain America character a lot, but when we looked at it more critically, it's just his choice, his, like... His will, he, he puts a lot of other people on the line in this movie, and it's just strange why. It doesn't really right. make sense. Yeah, and especially because he is hyped up as the guy to make the sacrifice play. Right. That that was his... That's his thing. That's his thing, because there's really, like... I guess, I mean, the Thor, the original Thor movie had an element of I'm willing to sacrifice myself, but, sure. but Captain America... That's how, he choose, that's how he proves he's worthy at the end of Thor. Right. He's facing the Destroyer. One right, one. but he proves he's worthy and it's fine. Captain yeah. America, he his story, you know, his origin story ends with, you know, thinking that he's, that's is it for him. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they he, go from that... He gets saved 80 years later. He has no idea that could possibly happen. Right. But since that moment... Really, we haven't. Uh, well, he's taking chances. He, yeah, but he takes risks. But in terms of the true sacrifice play, and he actually, what's different about this movie is not only does he, we're in we're in the original Avengers. Tony makes the sac. Tony Stark makes the sacrifice play in large part because of Captain America's speech to him about you know you're not the guy to lay down on the wire. Mm. I think Tony's really in, impacted by that, and that's why he decides to fly the nuke into space. In this movie, Cap acts the opposite way. He tells Vision's willing to make the sacrifice play, at least at first. He might have a hard time convincing Wanda to, but Cap says we don't trade we don't trade, trade lives, lives here, and and they later trade lives. And they later trade they trade a whole bunch of lives for, for visions. visions. Yeah. And how many how many Wakandans die, and. You know, maybe no named characters die, but we yeah. see a ton of people getting run you over by those machines. That not, yeah. There were th- thousands of people die trying to save Vision. Right. I mean, the only thing that they could—they never made the point. It, you know, we got to get to the Captain America story. We'll get to the story. plot. We'll get to the plot. Yeah, but they never made the point that um, Thanos would still be a huge problem even if he didn't have all the Infinity Stones. Right. That's the only argument for trying. They don't bring vision. That, yeah, they don't bring that up. They want they didn't they, they never want to they use assume, the stone against him. They just want to destroy the stone. Right, and and they assume that destroying one stone will f- solve all their problems, or at least solve problems on a on a big enough scale that where it's worth it to do it. If they again, it's worth yeah, whatever because they, they want. Because be, yeah, because the Avengers who think that are the ones that don't have a full appreciation. Of his power, they haven't they, accepted it, yet. and they think that they could fight Thanos with five Infinity Stones. Exactly, is basically what they think. Right, and they and they probably could, but I I don't know that they could with Thor because only, only because Thor only Thor only because Thor is, has accepted. If Thor yeah, if Thor was in the room, he would have a def, definitely I think a different opinion about what what Vision should. I think be Thor to do. I think Thor may have killed Vision himself had he been there. Yeah, which is interesting. Just I'm not sure, but. I'd like to say he would. He, I think he would have offered, at least. Or at least taken Vision into space somewhere, or something. 
Right. Uh, there, there's a lot more to be done. So let's just get to the plot. Yeah, the so plot, so we're in the Captain America realm. So you want to take us through time? Sure. The Captain America realm starts not, in, not as Captain America realm, but as a preview of the new Disney Plus show, WandaVision, where... Right. <laughs> Black, we're coming in Wh- November. Right. Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision are chilling. They're lovers in the night. They're having a good time in right. Scotland. Right. They're they're having they're great. And then Vision turns off his transponder. Uh, it's actually the first time we've seen Vision without the Vision costume. Vision. We just, see Paul Bettany. Yeah. Vi- yeah. They gave Paul Bettany a little bit of a break. They said you don't have to you don't have yeah, to put on the makeup, makeup today. Right. Uh, so. We get that we get this establishment, this continuation. They had flirted a bit in Civil War, right. and now it turns out they are full on. They're making this relationship work. They're trying to at least. Things have been on and off. Not not been and off, and, but and they're and they're in like two sides of the. Uh, they're torn because Wanda is clearly on still on Team Cap, right? Or, or you know whatever you know Team Cap is calling it themselves, and Vision, you know has was to, on Team Iron Man. Was on Team Iron Man still. You know, checks in with Iron Man, has this you know association with that. It seems they're they're almost the only two people that are kind of the straddling, straddling the line of this, yeah. Right. And I don't know. I just don't, I just don't like the scene. Can we yeah. just get to the Captain America fighting scene? Yeah. So much better than this stupid scene where it's they fight. the only element of of romance in this movie. And it doesn't work. At it all. does. It doesn't work. Um, they try to use it as. They'll later introduce that that Wanda is important in in trying to stop the Mind Stone if nothing else will work. Right, and they establish the relationship. And that's I think that's why they do it because they need to give her stakes. They do it to so that they give her a reason beyond just whatever super. They give her a personal reason to not want to blow Vision up. Right. Rather than just like his vision is just a guy. Just a friend. You may not want to blow him up, but if he insists, he's like, "This is the only way." You'd be more. They, they, they have him, and it actually is effective in the last scene where she does kill, where she does kill Vision, right? Only to have it be rewound. And I actually think that scene's work. That scene works great, and maybe it is set up by this movie, but I think you just could have had a lot, of, a lot less of it in the beginning here. Yeah. And also, you didn't need the stupid fight scene where. Wanda and Vision, the two most powerful Avengers on Earth, yeah, fight against these two sword people who who just kick their asses. One of them has the power of an Infinity Stone and can't defeat these two guys. They both have pa- the power of an Infinity Stone. They're both right. powered by the Mind Stone. Yeah, she's the flip side of the Mind Stone. Right. Yeah. She drew her power from the Mind Stone. And, and, and he is literally made up of it and a vibranium body. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's just, just go. <laughs> Wait, are there vibranium weapons that uh, the guy who stabs the spear with, they block? I think that weapon is made of some sort of space material that yeah, is probably it's particular. It's probably pretty strong. Yeah. Also. So the the two minions of the most assassin-like minions of Thanos come down and they surprise Wanda and Vision. They get Vision right away and they stab him they stab right him. through the stomach. Right. And so he's he's not dead, but he's, you know, injured. They use that and as a struggle. Just completely depower vision for the rest right. of this movie. Right. So they use that, and then they struggle with them. Um, they try to fight them off through Edinburgh, and then they 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 do okay. But then they make their way to the train station, and the assassins are back, and they're all ready to go after them. And Wanda also kind of forgets her powers. 
Well, I'm just like hand to hand fighting. Right. With this, with this Instead girl of and... using blasts to knock people away, she like just holds the. Or like what she does sword. in the next movie, where she picks Thanos up by his armor and starts crushing him. Yeah. She just decides to like maybe like gently move this, move them out of the way rather yeah. than you know, killing them instantaneously, which she yeah. pretty easily do. I mean, I guess I guess she she hasn't really appreciated the stakes just that much too much yet either yeah and, and also i mean the plot needs to happen but anyway, she's too... also shaken by collateral damage from uh civil war too right and, and those are these are all great things that could have been explored in the movie and could have been potential reasons right. like, not not all, discussed all you need is one line from captain america or it, probably more appropriately nat yelling at wanted to say like hey you know we need you need to try right you, know, you shake it off yeah like, you, we need you because right. you need to fight, and that and that would set up her, you know, kind of power up in the at the end of this movie and in Endgame, where she really does use a lot yeah. more of her powers yeah. right. than right. she does in this scene. Right. But in this in this scene, she needs to be bailed out by you know our human friends, right, by the Avengers, by the two unpowered humans and Captain America, who is very powerful but is not in the same plane as the two that you yes. know that beat. Yes. But we get the great theme music from Captain America, Winter Soldier, so we know that this team is coming. It, and it, it's a good scene. It, it, it's a little implausible in terms of the power, the power dynamic. I once. But Cap, we we, it, we like seeing the team Cap. Once Cap comes back, I, this scene really turns for me. I do hate the part where I hate the romance and I hate the first part of the fight scene. But the fight scene with the with Falcon, with Black Widow, and with Cap is right. amazing. Cap in his nomad, I think it's the nomad. The nomad bearded cap. Nomad bearded cap with, not with not the not the stars and stripes because yes. kind of he's unclear. The star is empty. It's star just is empty. A, it's just a slit. Yeah, there. he's un- yeah. he's unclear of his role in the universe, unclear of his spot. Now he might not even barely be called Captain America in this movie. He well, goes by Steve Rogers. A he lot goes more. by Steve Rogers. I think. Yeah. Do they ever say? I think they might say Cap. Yeah. But they don't say Captain America. It's never used, and it, it's actually a great dichotomy with this movie in Endgame, where in Endgame he's so Captain America. Yeah. They even bring back to the original armor and right. they, or the original suit, and here he's very much not. He's very much a man. He's a man without a country right now. Right, because of all of the Civil War. Right. So we actually them. see people have said Civil War has no stakes. I'll talk about it in Endgame because I think it's like more pressing endgame because the movie actually addresses it but here we see the first evidence of civil war having stakes where tony stark is alone on another planet and steve rogers is not he's not leading an american contingent he's not leading the he's not leading the rest of the avengers he's leading two underpowered two non-powered people with you know a wanda and vision barely they have to go save them who likely spend half their time on the run Right. Not necessarily, you know. Yeah, there, there other is people. there is a line from Rhodey that's like, "You guys look terrible," implying that they've been, they haven't been comfortable. Right. They've been they've been on the run. They've been on the run. So anyway, that scene they get saved. Right. Where are we going? We're going home. We're going back to Avengers Tower, where it seems uh, not Avengers Tower anymore. We're going back to the Avengers uh, complex in complex. State, New York. Right. And and we meet up with Rhodey, who's there. Rhodey's there, and Bruce Banner is there. Right. So in this scene, this is the first time that Bruce Banner and Nat have seen each other since the end of Age of Ultron? Age of Ultron when she tries to call Hulk back from the Quinjet, yeah. What do you think about the decision to not to you not know, address it? Talk about it more? I, I think it was the right call. I, I think, you know, you know that at least two years have passed 
I think is the timeline. Right. Um, from at least Age of Ultron. And so it, it, it makes sense that they've both you think that they've both kind of moved on and they've and they've gone in a different direction. I completely agree. The only the only thing that makes me think about it is that in in Ragnarok, the thing that triggers Hulk turning from Hulk back into Bruce Banner is the recording of Nat. Yeah. So it almost helps Bruce Banner, not even in a romantic way, but just find his humanity again. And they don't address it here, but I, I agree. I don't think they need to. I think we already wasted enough time to WandaVision stuff. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to waste more romance drama. Yeah, it's just a light... It's, a, it's like a one glance is, is kind of what we get. And I actually think it's kind of a meaningful... When Black Widow says, hi, Bruce, I think that... Scarlett yeah. Johansson is a great actress. Yes. I think it just kind of works. Like, I don't think they need any more than that. Right. I think that more is in that one line than the ten minutes we spend on. It, it, it wouldn't. It, it couldn't have made sense because of how big the stakes are at that point in time. Exactly. We didn't have time. There's no way that Bruce Banner could could have that conversation at that point. Right. In time. No, it's too important. Yeah. What they're doing now. So eventually, then they decide they're they're planning about how to do it. How to kill? What are they kill Vision? This is a lot we talked about before about right. the sacrifice play. They kind of know about the stones, um, in part. They don't have the same kind of picture that Thor does. Thor really knows them, and and um, Doctor Strange kind of knows them pretty well. But they know that one of the stones they're going to come for is Visions. And they know the and they know Thanos's plan because Bruce Banner was there when Doctor Strange gave his overwhelm his note about there being six stones, and. Bruce Banner has knowledge about it, so they're able to figure out that Thanos is coming for the Sixth Stone. If he gets the Sixth Stone, well, at that point, it's not the Sixth, necessarily, but he's coming for the Mind Stone. If he gets it, he'll be way too powerful. Vision, at this point, is... He's willing to die. He right. says, you have to kill me. If you blow up the stone, Wanda's the only one that can do it, because it, if she blows up the stone, he can't, he can't snap, right. he can't do what he wants to do. It, that'll save the day. Right. And Captain America talks him out of it. Right. Captain America, you know, as we said, says, you know, we don't trade lives. And that leads that leads to the, the, the decision to go to Wakanda. Because they figure out, in a very funny way, Cap is, Cap is Iron Man in this scene. He, cut, he tries to cut the wire. The, the line, that, that, their exchange that we've referenced previously yeah. from Avengers, where Cap says, you're not the type of the sacrifice play. Tony responds to him with saying, well, I just cut the wire. Yeah. Cap tries to cut the wire here by removing the the stone from Vision's head. That's cutting the wire, and he tries to get out of it, and in doing do so, yeah. costs costs the whole team the day. Had they blown up Vision there, Thanos would never could have couldn't have snapped. Right, he couldn't have snapped. Might have still been too strong, but maybe maybe not for Thor, as right. you rightly point out. Right, I think Thor. Because I think Thor, if he doesn't snap in that instance, Thor's Thor kills him. He's dying. Yeah. Uh, he would have to have been on Earth first. It it would been tough, but it would be a different scenario. It would definitely be a different scenario. Yeah. But anyways, he, Captain America tries to have it both ways. Tries to have it both ways, and it says, we're going we're going to Wakanda. They come up with right. this plan. Because Wakanda is the only place that can possibly defend against has, this kind of threat. Well, one that has the technology, that can defend against the threat, but also has the technology to safely remove uh, the Mind Stone from Vision while maybe keeping vision as a as an entity right. as a human or right. human-ish having a consciousness so shuri is able to figure it out we get more insight it's it's kind of funny because black panther was such a huge success here obviously and biggest domestic gross other than endgame i believe right and 
we don't see, but because it came out like two months before Infinity War, or maybe a little bit longer than that, but it really ran pretty much until like a month before Infinity it, War. It felt right before. It. I mean, I saw it late, and I saw it I think three weeks before Infinity War came out. So it, really close together. I don't think they knew exactly how the characters were going to play together. Mm. So we pretty much have like we don't have a ton. I thought we were going to get more of the Wakandans in this. We don't really have a lot of them. They don't do a lot. But we pretty much get like a very quick establishing of Shuri. Her character is, she's super smart. Right. This is what she's going to do. She can figure it out even when Tony Stark and Bruce Banner at the time couldn't. And she's so good in in Black Panther and has such great jokes in Black, Black Panther. They just kind of didn't have the time for that in this. That That's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like they get... They almost chose, like, what's one thing about each character yeah. that we can show? The real, like, kind of light humor. Like, you don't really laugh too much at it, but you just kind of, you're like, okay, I, you're, I know you what enjoy, You enjoy your You time. enjoy it. Yeah, I think part of the best, you know, we'll talk about Black Panther eventually, obviously, also. Right. One of the best parts of that movie is just the brother-sister dynamic and their, they, their playfulness with each other mm-hmm. and how light it is. And that's not really in the case here because, one, the stakes in this movie are higher, and two, we don't have time. I don't think they knew how the cat the Russos because they're kind of filming these movies at the same time. The Russos didn't really yeah. know how that how you know Ryan Coogler was going to develop that in Black Panther. Right. Same thing with the Jabari chief and and everyone else. So right. We get like a head nod of you know T'Challa head nodding to yeah. him, but we don't we don't get really much other than that. Right. So we knew some, we knew something happened between them had you not seen Black Panther, but you wouldn't have been able to to tell other than that. Yeah. Um, but they're going to go to Wakanda. They're going to try to do it all. They're going to try to defend Vision while Shuri... Save Vision. Yeah, they're going to try to save Vision, and Shuri is going to try to remove the, the Mind Stone, but, but, but preserve Vision. And they're going to try to give them the time to do that, because they know that Thanos is coming. And that's that's the, that's the last part of the Cats America before the Battle of Wakanda. Right. So everything's now set up for the Battle of Wakanda. I want to talk about the Battle of Wakanda first, because I want to save Titan. For the end, because I love the battle yeah. on Titan. You're gonna flip. You're gonna flip back to Titan. Or? Yeah, we'll flip back to Titan. Cause yeah. Let's just continue the momentum. We'll talk about the Battle of Wakanda. Right. So Battle of Wakanda. Um, I think this this is the biggest battle in an Avengers movie in a long time. May, probably since of as much as Ultron. Yeah, I think it's it, it's more of a set piece battle even than Ultron. No, it definitely is. And and the thing about Ultron is that Ultron takes place. In the city, Ultron is pretty similar to the first Avengers, right? Where it's just attack on New York, attack on attack on a city, and still the small group of Avengers against a larger army. This is an army versus an army. Right. This is a pitched battle. That's right. Happening. It's a pitched battle at Wakanda, and they bring up the shields. Um, it, it has a, you know, a Phantom Menace quality to it. There is a little Phantom Menace in this, with right. with the shields and the and the generators, and, the generators, and, you know, pa- and they are able to pass through it. By there's, thank God, there's no Jar Jar. But other than that, right, there's no Jar Jar yeah. in this movie. Which right, so the Thanos's army starts landing right outside the shields. Obviously, they can't come in the shields. Then they try at first to come in the shields, and they blow they up. blow up. Yeah. So they're landing outside, and they have all these like dog kind of creatures who seem. Right. A more we saw the Chitari Chitari in the first Avengers. These are devolved versions of those. Yeah. They're just animals. They seem like experimental. Or right. Something. They have multi, they have like four arms and legs and yeah. they run on all six, it seems at times. Yeah. They're like they're vi- they're vicious looking. They're and they start just and really no consciousness either, because they just start pushing themselves into the shields, even though they're dying. 
yeah, we we get quickly told that by the assassins who who walk up in there, and you know they say you know we have blood to spare. We have we have a little bit of a of a parlay almost between yes. almost the generals of Thanos's army for, and I think it's who is it? It's Cap, it's T'Challa, it's and uh, uh, Black, Black Widow. Widow. Right, so it's the three of them, and they kind of walk up, and they're and they're you know you know where's your friend? Thinking the other assassin's dead. Right. And um and and she's like we have blood to spare, and then they start charging. It's so creepy. Yeah, they they, they start charging. They drop, charging out, and the they drop force out of field. the sta- spaceship and start charging the force field. And, and what? And you see all their arms getting chopped off, and they're just they're all getting eviscerated, and you're like, what the heck is going on? And then the 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 decision to start decision to open up the shields at least in front of the army yeah i don't know it's it, tactically tactically you wouldn't do it right i don't think you would i don't think you would i think you would leave the shields up but it's like the extension of hu- of hubris the extension of we can save vision and have it all cuz that's really why they do it they're worried, you know, if enough of these guys charge the shield in any one spot, a few of them get through. Yeah. And they're worried that some of them are going to get in and then they're going to kill Vision. Even though they have Wanda there to Even protect Wanda, Vision. If Wanda stood on top of the palace that they're in, or the, the lab... Would wipe out any stragglers. Could wipe out any stragglers. It, yeah. Or they just send half the army back because they... Or, or at least just a couple guys. It, it's yeah. not really well thought out, but... And even and they're talking about again it's really just they're not accepting the death they don't accept the gravity situation they still have this ego when the wakandans are talking they're they're even saying this is going to be the end of wakanda and the response isn't like yeah but it needs to be or this is the only way it's a glorious end which again is makes complete sense in character because these you know they don't know the scale they don't know the, the true cosmic scale of thanos right but as a viewer you do and you realize they're not taking this seriously enough this yeah. is this isn't they don't have the raw desperation that Thor had right. that Doctor Strange shows later right. that Tony Stark shows they don't have that yet so here we we just see them open the gates and we're gonna fight them in a pitch battle right and so they do and it kind of gets out of hand pretty quickly it goes really the, poorly the moment that I that I felt like this went out of hand was when Black Panther is on the ground starting to get like bit at by those guys. Right. At that moment I was like this is the worst pitch battle ever. I mean, this is the this is the king and he's on the ground by himself. It's nuts. It's just they're well, swarming all over. Well, basically he's faster than everyone. So he just runs ahead and yeah. at first is able to kill a few, but they just have so many of these right dog creatures that it right. doesn't matter. He he gets overwhelmed. Right. And uh, Bruce in the I think this is actually a cool thing because Bruce in the Iron Man and the the Hulkbuster the Hulkbuster armor like isn't as good as he should be in the Hulkbuster armor. And I think it just also goes to show that Tony Stark is just Tony Stark is good yeah at being Iron Man right. You can't just like put a suit on anyone and have them be you know it would be better. But Tony Stark is actually good at being Iron Man because Bruce Banner is just, he's he's clumsy completely wasting the power yeah. of the Hulkbuster. He's clumsy. He does a bit, but he's he's clumsy and he's just and he's not taking it seriously. He's so in awe of of this cool power that he, Bruce Banner, can use. Right. He's like, this is like being the Hulk, but, right. you know, it's him. Right. He's running around. He falls. He's joking. Again, part of that's going to be in an Avengers movie, but we don't see the desperation. It just keep saying that word because it keeps – because really 
it's really what ha- they don't sac- there's no sacrifice there's no yeah as the as this movie progresses and we see more and more um you know sacrifices that do happen in this movie like Loki and and you know we'll talk about Gamora as well right um the comedy is it's harder and harder to to keep the comedy going you you kind of want to let them know you know let them in on the joke that like yeah well, there's, more, there's more going on it's funny because this is this is not your this is not your mother's avengers movie no in the the avengers they quip they banter and they win here yes. they quip they banter and they lose yes so and they, and they lose right up into the end they get they're getting overwhelmed there's a scene with t'challa on the ground right cap is being overwhelmed right Bruce Banner in the in the Hulkbuster armor is being overwhelmed. Basically, their army is getting destroyed. Wanda has to come out to help them. Wanda has to come out to help them. She has to abandon, abandon vision, vision, which causes the second assassin to be able to sneak in. Right. And then mess with Vision in that way. But then we get Thor. Yeah. Thor saves the day temporarily. Right. We see the Bifrost come down. Th- thank you to that singular line by Peter Dinklage where he's like, some say it could even summon the Bifrost. the Bifrost. Okay, I wonder what it's going to do <laughs> yeah. later in the movie. Right. <laughs> I right. wonder if it's going to summon the Bifrost, because they would be kind of fucked you know, if it didn't. Thor, so Thor, you know, he can summon the Bifrost like Heimdall. He can, he, his handle is made from Groot, and he's harnessed his own power of lightning. Like he's, like he's really come together as this is the strongest we've ever seen Thor. This is this at is, this moment he is the strongest Avenger. This is Thor actualized completely. Yeah. He he is Stormbreaker is is like he knows it and it's right. It has yeah. it's it's all his power plus there's some extra magic power with the right. axe, and he's fully checked. He knows. Even he has he's a he's singular one singular thought. Yes. And when he land, this is this right. is such an amazing scene when he lands and the Avengers theme starts playing behind him. Yes. And even Hulk says, you know, again, but the arrogance, the so arrogance screwed. of Hulk. You guys are so screwed now. Yeah. That you know, Thor's not laughing. Thor Thanos just, isn't there. Thor just says, "Bring, Bring me Thanos," because he know, he has one goal in mind. Yes. That's what he's been sent to do. That he is. Locked in. He's laser right. focused. He's not relishing in the killing, killing the these henchmen, or you know the fact that he's just laying waste to this entire battlefield. That was what Thor in the first Thor movie would have done. Exactly. Before he learned his lesson, that's what he was doing. He was fighting these little guys on little planets. Right. That's what Thor, even the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, that scene with the hammer in the first scene. Yeah. When he's fighting, he he's loving that too, but it's he doesn't care. This is all. Okay, I'm gonna do this to save everyone here, but until then, I want Thanos. It's desperation. I need Thanos. It's not. Yeah. It's not a want anymore. It's he needs it because he has no other purpose. And that's little spoilers for our next episode. I think that's why actually Thor's character in Endgame works. Little spoiler. Yeah, but we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk about that more more it's later. Actual point on that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, that's that's where we are in the Battle of Wakanda. Thor clearly is making a difference on the ground as it, it stands. Right. Um, Thor swings the battle back uh, towards the side of our heroes, but unfortunately for him, this assassin was able to sneak by and kind of messes up Vision. Yeah. He's able to stab Vision again. He's able to fight him. Uh, Vision appears to be losing. We got Wanda entering the battlefield because she, she had to to save before Thor got there. Because uh, at this point, they're not just sending in those sol- those dog soldiers anymore. They're sending in tanks. They're sending in these spinning wheels. They're destroying up the earth. 
this is truly like they're going all out to try to get this mind stone before Thanos gets there. Right. So, and then, do you want to talk about yeah. Thanos now, or do you want to talk about the do Titan we, first? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go to Titan. Let's go to Titan. We'll go to Titan. So Titan, you know, if we remember, Iron Man is there, Spider-Man is there, Doctor Strange is there, and the Guardians are there. Right. The Guardians, Sands, Rocket, and Groot. Right. And Gamora. And we'll, Gamora. We'll get, Gamora. We'll get back to Gamora. When we talk about Thanos. When we talk about Thanos. Um, but, so that, that they're ready, they're, they have this plan to, to face off against Thanos. And Thanos comes to Titan, because that was the plan. His plan was to meet up with Ebony Maw right. and the other, his other children on Titan and to gather the final stones. Right. Instead, he only sees Doctor Strange. And right. he, he chats with Doctor Strange. He says, oh, okay, I, I guess Ebony Maw is, is gone. Um, and they talk about, you know, well, guess where this is? This is your home. This is Titan. We he get... uses the reality stone to show us Titan. And we get more of the philosophy of Thanos, which we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about it. this is this is Thanos's true, not just before we have why he's doing things net, from a rational standpoint and from a numbers. Here we have his emotional reason for doing things, which again I just think completes his character and makes him one of the better villains we've seen right. just in any superhero movie. But anyway, he know Thanos is goal driven. He shows the desperation. That the heroes don't. Yeah. He wants what he wants. And right now, he wants the time stone. He wants to get it from Doctor Strange. Right. But, fortunately for him, he's got a couple brilliant minds, which apparently, including Peter Quill, right. who devises this a pretty great plan. Pretty great and elaborate plan elaborate that, plan that they put together. To get the glove off of that. Right. All of it is designed to distract him, move him, guess him around so that they can get to the glove. And we see all, pretty much all of the powers of the of these Avengers. We see Peter Quill's kind of um, flying through the air, flying through the air, the shooting bravado kind of. And we all, but we also see that magnet thing he uses. He uses yeah. back in the first Guardians, and we see that. We see Doctor Strange using his, uh, you know, his, floating finger yeah, things to yeah. drag his ropes that he shoots out. And we his see cape. He uses the cape at the end. He uses end. the cape. We see Spider-Man with the webs. Yeah. Um, and, and, there, and there's connections, too. Like, Spider-Man uses the webs, and Doctor Strange creates these portals for right. Spider-Man to go through. So he jumps out before, you know, Thanos can get to him. So that's like, you, you feel good as the audience. You're like, okay, they got something here. This is centered. These people are these people are desperate. And it there's they, and because of that they're working together they're they they only have one goal their goal is to stop Thanos they they have no other ulterior motives right really until until they break the desperation because they're overcome with grief it's a little different than the ego on yeah. their side but eventually they do they are, are able to working together trap Thanos and Mantis who hasn't been seen for the entire fight drops out of the sky through a Doctor Strange portal and uses her powers on she, Thanos right she lands on Thanos. On, on the head, and the idea is to, to kind of calm, him, calm down, him down, send him, put him to sleep. Yeah, so that they have enough time to finally get the glove off. And right. Iron Man and Spider Man are trying to pull the glove off as they're doing it, and he's like half, you know, struggling the with it. The glove them. is moving. You see yes. it slipping down his yeah. arm. Right. It was there, it was there pretty solidly, but they're getting it off. They're, they're doing, they're doing it. There's two moments in this movie where you see these guys have a really good chance, and this is the first one. Right. This is this in this moment you think because this is an Avengers movie, you think they're gonna they're gonna do it. Yeah. They're going to get it. Nebula's there 
in the comics, Nebula actually is the one who snaps and beats uh, Thanos. Yeah. In the comics. So Nebula is here at this moment, kind of like if someone was to snap and undo what Thanos has done, Nebula is there to do it. Mm-hmm. And kind of throughout the movie, it would make sense for her to self-sacrifice herself for Gamora. Right. But so you kind of you kind of hyped where you're like, oh, they're gonna do it. They're gonna win. They're gonna beat Thanos. But their desperation, their singular goal, fails because Peter Quill learns about Gamora's death. Right. And we we were going back. You know, obviously, the first time we watched it, we were blaming Peter Quill for this, I, we, which I think everyone did. Yeah, everyone did. And no we one went, has gone from love to hated faster than we, Peter Quill. Yes. I still I still have a big problem problem with him. Like I haven't he, he hasn't made enough quips to get back. Give him a give him um, a third guardian. He, he needs a third guardians. But um and I was thinking is it anyone else's fault and is it a little bit of like Mantis's fault? But really it's it is Peter Quill who starts it off because as he's sedated, Peter Quill gets right in his face. And so it's not him. part of the plan. Taunting him. Taunting him, saying, Oh, we got you. This is my plan. Yeah. And then the arrogance where is back. Gamora? Where Peter Quill was completely focused before, now that he thinks they've won, the arrogance is back. Right. And he, where's Gamora? We won. You know, screw you. All this stuff at Thanos. And Thanos, because he's, because he's... He's resolute. He's resolute. But he, so he has this, he's able to, like Mantis, everyone else is kind of, he's able to just send them to sleep. With Thanos, he can't. He, Thanos is still able to talk, even under yeah. Mantis's spell right. or whatever power she's using on him. Right. So he's still able to talk. He's still resolute, and he even says, even this weakened state, I had to do it. It was the only way. Yeah. And and then. And Mantis gives the extra context. She says he's he mourns. And then Nebula also gives the extra context of, oh, he he left for Vormir. Vormir. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, Vormir for the Soul Stone. With the Soul Stone. And came back with Gamora, came back with the, the Soul, Soul Stone, Stone, but without Gamora. Right. So, eh, you put two and two together. Yeah. That's when Peter Quill absolutely loses it, starts hitting Thanos in the face with kind of the butt of his gun. Yeah. Just, and this is not a, I'm going to kill Thanos with this action. This is a directed, I'm pissed off, I'm expressing my anger. Yeah. This, he loses focus of the goal. Peter Quill turns back into 12-year-old Peter Quill. Like, right. Just the, just the pure anger at like like loved ones taken from him kind of and he, he tur- just he loses it he completely loses it he turns not even not only to twelve year old Peter Quill but also Peter Quill at the end of Guardi- at the end of Guardians two where he's fighting his dad and he finds yeah. out his dad killed his mom and he has this break and there it works for him because able to, it's it's able to make he him more that. effective yeah. channel his powers but like in that movie where he's being mind controlled and his anger snaps him out of it. Thanos is being mind controlled and Peter's anger snaps Thanos out of it. Yeah. And Thanos snaps out of it. The glove's just about to come off and it had might have been able to come off if Tony had continued to pull it off, but rather he goes to try to stop Peter. Mm. He leaves, but you know, Sp- Spider-Man almost yanks it yeah, off. Yeah, he's the last one. Just fails. Thanos in 2 seconds comes back to consciousness, knocks Mantis off his head, knocks Peter away, grabs the gauntlet, gets it back on, sends our heroes flying. Yeah, and 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 then you know. So now the, the plan, the is, plan done. is done. The plan is done. Half our heroes are out of commission for this. Now it's just a. Now it's it's really the rest of it is pretty much just two one-on-one fights that we see. We have the one-on-one of Thanos versus 
Doctor Strange, and we have the one-on-one of Thanos versus Iron Man. Right. I don't know how much thematically there is, really, at least in these one-on-one fights. I think they're awesome visually. I love the Doctor Strange versus Thanos fight yes. in terms of the power. Basically, like, he's doing magic at Thanos, and Thanos is just... He, the whole time his glove is going, is going purple, which means he's using the Power Stone. So it's just saying, like, my power is too strong for your magic, which I think kind of helps. It puts their powers in perspective. Like, okay, how powerful do you need to be to break these illusions? Right, because the illusions are not driven by the Time Stone. He never uses the Time Stone. In no, him, he doesn't use the Time Stone Thanos notices that. Right. Like he um, even says, you didn't use your greatest weapon. Right. It's pure Doctor Strange. It's pure his magic power. Right. So, and then we get that fight, and eventually... And with that, he... Yeah. Doctor Strange loses, and then we have the Iron Man fight, which Iron Man fight actually starts before the Doctor Strange fight, continues afterwards. Thanos throws a moon at Iron Man. Yes. He uses the Power Stone to disintegrate a local moon, chuck it at Iron Man. Iron Man then, eventually, after being knocked out for a little bit, gets back up and starts fighting Thanos one-on-one. They have a good interchange about the curse of knowledge, and they talk how much they share their singular goals where Tony's is to protect humanity and Thanos is to protect in is his to, mind is to save is to save existence the, save life yeah. essentially and, and they they talk, they bond they well not really bond because it's more of a one way bond Thanos yeah. shows respect for Tony Stark here he right. shows that you know he cares about him and but eventually Tony Stark loses and Thanos stabs him and is about to finish him off right. And then that's the moment where we get this cryptic opening to what's going to happen later. And Doctor Strange, once again, tries to bargain with the, you know a greater force. Thanos has come to bargain. Just like Dormammu. You know. He says, I will trade you the Time Stone if for he, Tony's life. Yeah, for Tony's life. And Thanos is taken back by this. You know, he it's, a, it's strange. He's like, what is going on here? He says, no tricks. Yeah. And... He, Thanos in this movie at least is, is a trust. He's a trusting guy. He he expects he lives by a code of honor and he yes. expects other people to. He really he he doesn't lie. Like that's that's a big thing. And he and he says it with uh, Gamora. And even we'll in talk end, about that. it's repeated in Endgame end as well. Endgame. Yeah. You know my father is many things. He's but he's not but a liar. Not one of them. Yes. So, but the trade is made and there's a very strong hint where Tony. This is another again. It's a small sacrifice play. Yeah. But Tony's like Tony's like no. <laughs> yeah. Tony, when you see Tony's face, he's horrified. Like right. don't do that. Right. So he Tony knows he's going to die unless this trade happens. He doesn't care. He wants he wants the time stone to be kept hidden away. Right. To not have it be used because he knows how bad it would be. And but Thanos, true to his word, the trade happens because we get a very cryptic. We're in the end game now. Yes. This is the only way. Yes. Setting it up. And, and yeah. And then now Thanos has all but the mind stone. All but the mind stone. All but the mind stone. And he uses once again he uses this the space stone to bring himself to Earth. Yeah, very again, very much showing Thanos' character where much like he did in the beginning of the movie, he could have killed the remainder of the people who are there he decides not to because he doesn't need to anymore he doesn't need to yeah he doesn't kill people that he doesn't need to and he sticks to his code he even says to to tony stark when i'm done half of humanity will still be alive right like not not he's not taunting almost him. almost in admiration for how well he fought and represented humanity and he even says i hope they remember you 
Because he's not taunting Tony Stark like, I won, half of people are going to die. He's like, hey man, half people are going to live. Yeah. That's a glass half full kind of guy. (laughs) Literally. In a way. Yeah. So now we get back, we're back on, back in Wakanda, back on Earth. Right. Thanos is, he's arrived. We have this, basically, he comes in, he just starts wasting fools. He uses he's using each stone differently he's send he's using the the great pushback powers of the power stone he does a cool thing where he sends the hulkbuster armor and sticks uh the whole six yeah. Bruce banner into the rock uses uses the reality stone and right. everything yes and he's and he's done and he's done the, he's, he's out film. of commission for the rest of the movie yeah um we have him beating he beats black panther he beats pretty much everyone who faces until he gets to cap right Cap is able to. I kind of want to talk a little bit about this scene because it's the, drawn, the moment. Yeah. It's it has a lot. A lot of people have talked about it and what this means. So Thanos basically is fighting Cap. That it's it's kind of it's canonical that Thanos is just strong. Even if there were no stones involved, right. Thanos is stronger than Cap. Yeah. He's he he fought the Hulk pretty evenly. And right. Know that that's not. You know, that that's not an even fight. So. Thanos reaches out with the with the stone with the his gauntlet wants to I don't know smash or, Cap into smash, the dust right yeah. do something with Cap Cap catches his hand and holds it and holds it yeah now a lot of people have speculated and you're you're the resident Cap fan yeah. expert right you know, what are your thoughts on this scene I mean I think I think I think we kind of agree on it a bit Cap is stronger than than a normal person. I mean, sure. I think he can fight any of the Avengers on strength for a little bit of time, but I, I think it's more, again, admiration for humanity that that keeps Thanos from crushing him. I think he's paused by that. I think it's his surprise. Yeah. I think it's really surprised that, like, from what Thanos can tell, this is an ordinary guy right. that is holding him up. And it's, again, it's, he showed admiration for Tony, and he, it's... Because Tony and Cap in this movie are such... Because they never interact on screen. Yeah. They're such mirrored characters where they each kind of... It's just such a fitting end to their journeys because they have traits of each other throughout these throughout the, this movie. The, yeah, they had too much of one or the other. You know, Cap was all, was all duty all the time without enough of the humanity and the lived right. experience. They needed to balance each other out, which yeah. is why they need to both be there. And Iron Man went from too much of self and lived experience to finally, you know, being the the ultimate, you know. Right. They're, they needed more. Save, they needed a know, balance. Avenger. And, they, and they want, this wasn't in the movie. But I do think it was that some people have said, oh, it just shows Captain America's will that he was actually in a battle of wills with Thanos over trying to control the Infinity Stones. I, I don't really read it i don't see that at all i think it's it's pretty clear when thanos is using the stones in this movie i don't think he's using the stones in the scene no i don't think he's trying to use them yeah i I don't think there's a question that if thanos uses the stones you know cap can hold that i think the theory though is that because technically when they're both holding it the theory goes at least that they're both trying to use the stones Hmm. so in that moment cap while touching the gauntlet is trying to channel the stones power back at thanos I just don't think we have enough evidence for that. Yeah, and it's and a cool theory. And it's it's like, a cool oh, theory. Man, that he's so, I haven't thought about. He's so it. mentally strong, and he has he. If anyone has the will to equal Thanos, it's Captain America. But you know, he doesn't actually do it. 
and I don't think there's any evidence for it. It's cool, and maybe as much as I want there to be, uh, yeah. there's not. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that one. I think it's I think it's more, you know, more straightforward than that. So after that cool scene, we get to another really good scene at the end of this movie where Wanda actually does manage to blow up Vision's Mind Stone. Yeah, she, Wanda, Wanda realizes that the moment has come and she has no choice. She has it, no choice. There's no, there's no perfect option anymore that's gonna see Vision saved. And here they both, they both these individuals make the sacrifice play. Yeah. Wanda makes the sacrifice play. She's willing to blow up Vision. Vision is, Vision is saying it's okay, it's okay, do it. Vision's accepting it. Yeah. He know, he knows. And it's, a, and it's, it is a sad moment. It's really sad. Yeah. And it's made even more sad by the fact that at this point it's too late. Yeah. It's too little, too late. They yeah. could have, they had plenty of time to do it before. But now it's too late. Thanos uses the time stone, rewinds time back to exactly where they were right before, except he's in a, he's in a different spot, so he's able to knock out Wanda. Yeah, and then rip the rip mind stone from Vision, from Vision set. killing Vision. And then he's he powers up fully. He's about to snap, and Thor comes in. Right. Thor comes Thor, in. Stormbreaker. The axe comes down, and, gets him right in the chest. Well, the thing is, Thor throws his axe. Yeah. And Thanos tries to stop it with a full, fully powered Infinity Gauntlet, and the axe cuts through the Infinity Gauntlet's beams yeah. and hits Thanos directly in the chest. Yeah. And Thor obviously, you know, he calls back to in the movie where he says, "You die for that." We're talking about Loki's death. Yeah. Thor thinks he's completed his mission. And again, in this moment, he, Thor has Thor, who's been so singularly minded, has been accepting, has this moment of much like Peter Quill, when he thinks he won, has the moment of arrogance. Right. He thinks he did it, but Thanos is still breathing. Thanos is still alive, and Thanos, because that second has the iconic line, should have gone, gone for, for the, the head, head and snaps. Yeah. And then. And then the evaporation, the disappearing. The the snap. The snap. The, the snap heard around the world. Yeah, so you know, the snap doesn't happen right away. There's it, it a little bit of time, a few seconds. The Infinity Stones have incredible dramatic timing. Maybe he maybe he built that in. Maybe he built in a four second yeah. fuse on it. <laughs> maybe with, he did. with the with the time stone. But then, you know, we see everyone is devastated and fighting, and then all of a sudden. They start turning into dust. We see it in the Battle of Wakanda. We see it to Black Panther. We see it to Bucky. Right. Um, we see it um, to Groot fades away. Groot. The rest of Wakanda for the Pretty, a lot of, of a lot of, of Wakanda. Wakanda. Um, and then we start to see it also on Titan. Right. And first it's a couple of the Guardians fade away. Right. Then it's Drax. Drax. Mantis fades. Uh, we have Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. I think this is when he delivers. We're in the end game line. Yes. Right before he fades away. So it's the only way. Right. And, because and, cause and, Tony yeah. says, what? Why, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? And then and then, and Titan is kind of, you almost feel like it's from Tony's perspective. He's kind of looking around at it. It's everyone. definitely from Tony's perspective. And and then another sad, gripping moment in this, yeah, is, this... is is uh, Peter Parker as Spider-Man. I don't, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. Is... Yeah, he's like it's like it's like he was dissolving from the inside before. He fi- Some people, have spread, which I really like this theory that I've heard, which again I don't, I don't know if it's supported canonically, but 
I like yeah, it's not as weird as the Captain America one where he can feel his spider sense is going off that he feels this impending danger coming mm-hmm. and that's why he doesn't feel good yeah even before because because everyone else it's more they don't like express they're just like huh and then right Peter is the only one who feels it because I think even before he actually starts to turn to dust he knows it's coming in some way Hmm. Because of the spider sense, they try the spider sense. Which I kind of like. I think I could subscribe to that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that theory. Cause it makes it, sense. Because it, it gives a reason for why he acts different than everyone else. Right. And, uh, and it's it's tremendously sad. It's so sad. And really, just it's a great topper to the relationship, and it really drives Tony's actions in the next movie. That's Tony's. Tony has a lot of losses. That's the one that tr- that troubles him the most. You know, as, he we, feels, as we go on. That's the one that he blames himself the most for. Right. He he takes a lot of his failures with him, whether it's Ultron, whether it's whatever he does wrong, all the villains he's created throughout the years. Yes. But this is the loss that he feels the most. This is the failure that he feels the most. Yeah, because and and you don't know and you don't know what he thinks. I mean, we could talk about this in when we talk about Endgame, but you know you don't know where he thinks he could have done it differently if he thinks that he does that he right. could. Is it just that he needed to stop Thanos? Did he need to not encourage Spider-Man? Was it what, ju- what he was doing? Exactly. Was it just that they needed a, sh- a suit of armor around the world? Was yeah. it something even more that he should have fought harder for even in right. the start? It's a, it, yeah. Is it that you know that he felt the arrogance that he felt that his own arrogance caused it because he thought that he could be the hero and right. he didn't start the suit of armor around the world earlier, or and didn't try again after Ultron because he yeah. was afraid to do it. His own fear, his own holding him back, and, and I think that's I think we we'll should talk about that a little bit more in Endgame because yeah. I think it's a huge driver of his motivation, especially when he's, and it's really the reason why he decides to help in Endgame. Mm-hmm. So let's save that for yeah, now. We'll save that, but there's there's a lot there, and just the, the a lot of meat know, on those bones the, to talk the, about. The beginnings of it you see kind of in that in that incredible moment. So like, yeah, and that's the film. It's an incredible movie. Yeah, it's great. It's light. It's at times. Powerful. Yeah. It's sad at times. It's it's, it's action packed and some of the greatest visuals in in this series. I think the battle scene on Titan is my favorite battle scene. Pulling down the moon. Pulling down the moon, the Doctor Strange fight. These are some mm-hmm. of the greatest action set pieces we've had. Again, I think the Battle of Wakanda is pretty bland because it's just like yeah, two one CJ army fights. Yeah. They're just rendered a whole bunch of soldiers. But there's little moments in there. Sure, there, you know, the, there's some the, great the, moments. The bodyguard woman chief, who's awesome. Oh yeah. She has good fighting. Okoye, yeah. Okoye, definitely. She's great. Uh, she has a good moment. I like the, uh, I like the the female the woman uh, team up in this movie a lot more than the one in Endgame. Yes. It's more organic to me. It made sense. It makes it, more sense. I think it's really cool because yeah. the style of fighting I think is great, and I think Black Widow again kind of kicks ass throughout this movie. Yeah. She's almost like a superhero, super powered this movie, super powered because of how much she kicks ass. She fits. She, she. I know, like, yeah, the power dynamics jump around, but she, she fits well in this movie better than she did in like of the original Avengers movie. In the original Avengers movie, she's so hilariously underpowered, but in this movie, like, if you told me that off screen, it, the new Black Widow movie is coming out this this fall, next fall. Yeah, I think next fall, next 2020, year. right? Yeah. If if they show in that, because I think that movie takes place in between Winter Soldier and Civil War. If they told me in that movie that she got, they found the Captain America serum. And she got it injected before Infinity War and Endgame. I'd be like, sure. That would make sense. Sure, I believe it because yeah. she fights so effectively in this movie, and 
it's it's, yeah. it's a great scene. It's an awesome scene. We've seen Okoye yeah. in Black Panther kick ass, and she kicks ass in this movie. And I think that scene is actually great. Yeah. Like, I, I I didn't I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. As a, as I'm sure we'll talk about the Endgame scene. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought it was uh, it, I didn't like that one. It didn't land the same, but yeah, incredible movie and and hit so many of the points and built on so much of what we've watched in, in all the other films. So I think we've done we've almost done the impossible where we've talked for an hour and a half and without really featuring, in my opinion, the best part of this movie, True. which we want to save our own segment for. True. Which is, I think, the best villain in the MCU. I think someone who's, as Loki has moved away, as we talked about, away from villainy into more an, being an anti-hero. The villain of Thanos completely has turned what people think of, of Marvel villains on their heads. Marvel was a company and a movie franchise that, especially when we go back and start looking at the earlier movies, these were movies that were based on their heroes. Yeah. This movie, it's from the point of view, at least a lot of it, from Thanos. It has to be. We get he's so one, much background. He's, you know, we've talked about all these segments, and we've tried to focus on the heroes, but he's he's the core piece in all of these arcs. Right. And, and he has his, and, and you know, he clearly has his own. He has his own, and not only that, where what's so effective is because Marvel expects you to see all these movies previously, they they don't have to spend as much time developing all their other characters, and they, they don't spend as much time developing Thor's arc because sure. Thor's arc's just finishing up from his from Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, and Captain, Captain America, America has long since been done since right. Civil War. Exactly, Iron Man is continuing even from from home, from Spider-Man: Homecoming and from yeah. Age of Ultron and from Civil War. Those, all those themes come back up, and it's just continu- a continuation of those stories. This Thanos story is the Thanos, is the original Thanos story. Right. They, they just and the stakes were high because we got introduced to Thanos as like an end scene of Avengers, and I think people were skeptical. Like uh, there was a lot of people who weren't familiar with the comics and, and were started, you know, like who is this guy? Who is this guy on the throne and whatever? Right. And as we always got these hints of him in phase one phase two it was like okay yeah but what what's you know what is he really going to be like we never really saw it until this there was like all these memes about i'm just going to sit in my chair and right and send other people to fight for me and then he finally says i'm going to do it myself and okay it just takes eight movies then after that point until he finally actually does something now in infinity war so there was a lot of risk playing because i think the safer way was the way they, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about Endgame, was what they did in Endgame where they just made Thanos as the force to be reckoned with, mm-hmm. the villain, the overarching villain that is clearly very powerful, and you can establish that. They could have made this movie, if they cut out a few scenes of this movie, they could have just made Thanos the super powerful villain that, they ha- that the heroes had to team up to stop and not given him any depth, and it still would have worked as a movie, but it wouldn't have been nearly as good because no. the yeah. cap, all, all you the wouldn't have been left scene. hollow you would have been just furious exactly because and it also it would have seemed like almost like cheating when thanos wins it's like oh my god this guy is so bad he's evil he's this and he's gonna win anyway right but here you see you feel it makes you almost feel thanos's loss and even though it's from a it's wrong and it's from a corrupt place because you you know You've been, seen what he's been through. You know his arc. You know what he cares about. You feel it. Yeah. And it's it, they they definitely and the interesting thing too is I, I was thinking about like he's a CGI villain throughout this whole movie. 
He's like a humanoid CGI villain. Which is... I mean, when you, the, that's difficult to pull off. When you compare him to... As a, Ste- as a strong one. When you compare him to Steppenwolf? Yeah. Yeah, right. Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf is what you're talking about. Exactly. Where, where if you do not build the character... You know, give them. the depth, personify, actually have a reason, that's what you get. The classic evil for the sake of evil, mustache-twirling villain. Yeah. And that's what Thanos has the potential to be, and... Also, this is a very this is a very departure from the comics. Thanos in the comics has a weird thing where he wants to kill half of life because um, he wants to impress Lady Death. Yeah. I think or win her affection or something. There's there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that regard. They gave him higher in, intentions. Yeah. But here, this and it especially plays it plays really well coming back to these back-to-back movies of Black Panther and then Infinity War, playing off a Killmonger villain of a very similar styled person who's definitely doing the wrong thing, but you can see why they're doing it and maybe have a good reason in their upbringing and what it's done. Yeah. Uh, so let's just talk a little bit about why Thanos is doing what he's doing. So Nick, right. can you just lay out what his goal is? So we get this at different points in the movie, but kind of just to put it chrono- chronologically, we know Thanos is from Titan, the planet of Titan. So right. there were... There were many of Thanos, these Titan, you know, people who lived in this planet. Um, obviously, they're strong relative to the rest of the galaxy, but they also had a great, great technology and almost an arrogance about what they could do and how much they could do. Right. And, you know, Thanos tells that there was starving on the planet, that there, there, that there was the population was getting out of control and he was the one who told them what the solution had to be and they didn't listen and we know the solution is what becomes his mantra after this which is that half of life needs to be be destroyed right in order for the rest to survive the rest to survive and prosper right and that didn't happen in titan and titan fell into chaos and society was destroyed and there were famines, and then all of a sudden, everyone had died in Titan. Everyone dies off except, except Thanos declares himself. himself a survivor. He right. he doesn't relish in the fact he doesn't relish in the fact that he was right. No, he's he, the he's the sole Titan. He feels this so, complete sorrow about it. He feels this guilt. He has extreme ver- an extreme version of survivor's guilt about this whole thing about him yeah. surviving Titan and everyone else dying. And, and this theory and the reason why it's compelling is it's obviously it's outlandish you kill half the population and then life's supposed to get better for everyone yeah the reason there is some historical well when you have the Malthusian parts of it which you yeah. mentioned before about you know unless you do something drastic to the population overpopulation will eventually destroy all destroy life. all life which has kind of been disproven but we do have a historical precedent for a, a large pop percent of the population being completely wiped out yeah. and then people thriving from a year like if you go back to europe with the black plague a bunch of europe gets wiped out with the plague but then then basically, all of a sudden life life improves really improves for the for the, for the peasants yeah wage, wages go up less people are starving quality of life for the people who don't die go up so it's it's you know, I don't think anyone would argue that was a good thing. And you're, you're not supposed to think it's a good thing with Thanos, but you can see why, in his mind, and I don't even know, I don't think, I think that's an important distinction to make. He doesn't think it's a good thing. No. He thinks it's the only thing. It's a necessary thing. And he's, but, but also he's not an individualist. He really is, like, 
this is society this is a unit he doesn't he's he doesn't recognize you know an individual's path as any bit of importance and that's just part of his code and maybe it developed from his experience but right you know he's his acknowledgement and appreciation of tony stark it doesn't you know it's not swaying him from no because he, he's he's not swayable yeah he has one he has one goal and he appreciates tony stark he sees tony stark as someone who has noble ends but is still misguided he still thinks he can make a difference without going to the drastic measure which i'm sure thanos on titan experienced i'm yeah. sure there were tons of people who thought they could fix the world using technology or using this or using that and they couldn't right and he's seen it fail so that's why he's like that's listen that's great and all and i admire you for trying but you're wrong right and and really play i think the reason thanos plays so well is because we've the other movies in the the other avengers movies we've seen have loki as a villain loki in that movie even though he's become much more complex since and is a great villain in that movie and very entertaining mm -hmm. he's completely self-centered he's doing it for power he wants to be the ruler of the earth that's why that's why they're fighting him right he, completely self-interested then you have ultron who is kind of just a force of technology and is the program gone wrong program gone wrong wants to kill all of earth not because of any noble or goals just because he's a robot that wants to do that well he well, and his his programming i think says to that, protect the earth and destroy that, humanity that right? yeah he he identifies humanity as the greatest threat the greatest threat to humanity to, to existence to existence yeah right so again but it's more it's more of a he's a there's, robot. there's a flaw just, there too he wants just technology to rise up it's a it's not again it's not the same we're not dealing with the same thing he definitely he he never had the emotional stakes. He's he he develops that thought on day one. He right. hasn't had a life. He doesn't. He hasn't, he hasn't had learn, a changing he experience. Learn. He he comes into consciousness and like within five seconds is like, time to blow everyone up. Yeah. Oh, whoops! Vision stopped me from getting or Jarvis stopped me from getting the nukes. I can't do that. Time to drop a meteor from time to drop a city on the earth. I guess. Yeah. Weird. Because he's yeah he's a he's a machine. It just happens. You don't see an arc. So. For those for those movies, it makes and against those kind of character caricature villains, it makes sense that the Avengers are quippy because they're just so in the right. You know, yes. there's no moral gray area in this movie. But here, at least when because we see so much of this movie from Thanos' point of view, we see him as the the person willing to make sacrifices, willing to put it all on the line for what he has to for what he thinks he has to do. Right. Against wrong, but. Then you, then you see the Avengers, all their petty squabbles, the fact that the two that the two teams can't even can't work even together, work together. Each, yeah, can't even like they can barely call each other. They can't fight together. Right. Everything everything is highlighted in comparison to this. To Thanos, who's on this, he's on this quest. It's almost I don't want to call it a noble quest because that implies that it's actually good. But this in in his mind is completely justified quest and he had he's thor in this movie for this whole movie he's completely single-mindedly focused completely on on it. and that, that just greatly really contrasts with the rest of the avengers who don't think that way right and it makes it it makes it great so let's now let's talk about the great i think the greatest example of his single-mindedness and his focus which is him him being willing to sacrifice gamora yeah and that scene and it, it it's I think we as the audience were surprised about it. So the background is Gamora 
we learn in the move in the course of the movie knows where the soul stone is she was sent years ago to to find where it was and she, at that point she was already starting to turn away from thanos and she never revealed it to him she had some reservations about thanos and... right but thanos having captured nebula and torturing nebula uh, gets Gamora to reveal that she knows where the stone is and that it's on Vormir. Right. And so they go there. And the great moment in which they meet, uh, you know, we found out what happened to Red Skull. Red Skull got sent to which is, which Vormir. Is a, which is a nice little touch. Uh, you know, we, he had evaporated into space, so it was perfect that they left it open for him to come back. Right, yeah. In he some capacity. he didn't die. He just got... Right. Again, the Tesseract is... As we've learned, is not just a, a source of great power. It's all it's the space stone. Right, it, it can, can send it can you, transport you. Right through through the universe, and so his his role is really to explain what what the soul stone is about, how you can acquire the soul stone, and he says you must sacrifice that which you love. That which you love most, most dear. Most dear. So it's not just again. I think pe- some people are pro are. There's some, there are some troubling things if you view it a certain way, that the movie is almost glorifying this abusive relationship that Thanos has with Gamora by saying mm-hmm. it is true love. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that point of view because I think the view is, the, view, the movie is never saying Thanos is right. He's never saying this is a good thing. Right. It's just, it's just saying what happens when. So much of, in we're, we cover a lot, of, we've covered a bunch of superhero movies. We're gonna keep doing it. A lot of times the the good guys win because the villains are dumb or the villains are selfish or yeah. the villains don't have conviction. Here we have a movie where that he has all, he, has, he has all of it. It's conviction. It's, it's conviction. It's conviction that does it. It's not making a moral judgment on the quality of his love. It's showing his conviction. It the soul stone is saying he does love Gamora at least in some way, right. and he's so willing to. He's so in. He's and just shows that the Avengers aren't willing. To match his conviction, he's willing to throw away what he holds most dear. Gamora is not willing to do that. Yeah. A lot of these characters are not willing, and we're going to talk about it very soon in our sacrifices set and our thematic close-up. Mm-hmm. But he's willing to do that. I think that's why he's so effective as a villain. And I think, and I think, you know, the feelings for Gamora is yes, he raised her, and and yes, they they fought alongside each other. You know, I wonder if part of it too is. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he wasn't sure that he could even get the, you know, the Infinity Stones in his lifetime. You know, there might have been an element of part of why I have Gamora at my side is I need to make sure this mission happens. I I think definitely I think that's I think that's spot on. He even there's a scene in Infinity War where he's saying, I wish I wanted you to sit on that chair. Yeah. After I was gone, he was he was training Gamora to be his heir. To- and and you know. His mission is done, you know, his mission is in his lifetime, but if you think about his thought and his philosophy, there's a time where this will have to happen again. Um, I don't know if he's going, I don't know if he, if he's thinking like that. I just think he, he's not sure that it's going to happen in his lifetime. Yeah. I think he's going to try. Right. But I think he's, because in his mind, as we, we'll see this right in the beginning of Endgame, or right during Endgame, he doesn't care whether he lives or dies. He cares much more about the about the goal than right. he does about his own life. Right. And I think because of that, he wants to train Gamora to fulfill the, the fulfill the goal if he dies. Right. You know, he does. He wants to like, again after this. He doesn't want to rule the remnants. He wants to retire. 
wants to go to his farm. Look on, out on a grateful universe. Just he wants the feeling that he did that he no he him knowing he did a great he did what he was did right, what was yeah what was needed what was needed even though you know, again the greatest of require the strongest of wills he he realized that it was a very hard thing to do and not an easy and not easy nothing to take joy in nothing to relish right but he does it anyway which is this makes him so compelling and it's such a great contrast to the rest of the Avengers. Um, so a little bit to that we're so we highlighted what Thanos is and how much he works. Now let's highlight the themes of sacrifice in this movie because yeah. we have a lot of sacrifices and near sacrifices. Yes, yeah. a lot of attempts at sacrifice. And the first, I think, the first ones that we hear about is Vision, and Vision's willingness to be destroyed in order to prevent the Mind Stone. Right. So okay. after we've talked, we've talked about Loki. Yeah. Now we're on to Vision. Right. Right. We've talked about Loki. Um, and Vision, and we and we talked a little bit about Vision too. Several times that he volunteers himself. He's completely willing to take his soul stone. So we have two types of sacrifices that both are and aren't made. We have the sacrifice of self and the sacrifice of a loved one. Yeah. Uh, so here, in, in terms of, uh, let's talk about sacrifice of loved one. Because I think sacrifice of self have kind of gone over. Yeah. Sacrifice of a loved one. We have people who are just unwilling to. Because almost harder. Because in superhero movies, it's like superhero one on one. You're willing to put your life on the line for the greater for the good. good. Yeah. The trick comes in is, are you willing to put someone, one person you love, on the line for the rest of the of the universe right. for the for very much the greater right. good. And here, this is where we see the almost the I don't know if they're moral failings, but the failings of the Avengers to appreciate the stakes. Yes. Wanda won't kill Vision. Right. Until it's too late. Until it's too late. Once she finally realizes what the stakes are, then she does. Same thing with Peter Quill and Gamora. But Peter Quill is, ac- is actually willing to do it. He pulls the trigger. Yeah, but thinking... I think that was past the point in the stakes. Right, it probably yeah. was. And But again, Gamora, she's not willing to let Nebula be tortured without telling. True. And where the soul stone is. Thanos, on the other hand is able to win because he's able to sacrifice Gamora. He's willing to set... And whether or not the love is just or right or whatever, to him it exists. Yes. As proven by the soul stone. That's what the sacrifice is. It exists. And then that's just kind of... We see this these sacrifices that... The reason why this movie is different because the villain is willing to make the sacrifice that the heroes aren't. Yeah. Throughout the movie, the hero is not willing to make and, that sacrifice. And right, and right from the start. He's already right from the start. He has the full conviction of, of it. Is the full conviction. Here's yeah. are not, and that's why I think you know this kind of plays into, and I think it's a really great when they started advertising Endgame, and it was whatever it takes. I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that makes sense because they're trying to, you know, they're desperate. They're desperate back. now. Yeah. And well, it was only when I was rewatching Infinity Wars that I re- Infinity War that I realized the lack of desperation that was shown, the lack of appreciation of this threat. Right. And it makes you appreciate Tony being really angry about this whole thing. Right. Because he's like the only one that appreciates He always threat. appreciated it, yeah. Right. And that's why when he comes back to Earth, he's so mad at, 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 Captain, at Captain America. Right. It's like, you know, I wanted to, I, I told you about this. You didn't yeah. listen. Yeah. I was willing. You guys weren't, you guys were dicking around. Right. You know, saying we can, you know, no casualties. We can do this our yeah. way. And we're the Avengers. We win. And they lost. Right. All right. So 
And that's Infinity War. Yeah, that's Infinity War. That, that's the feeling that, you know, we left with. But incredible movie. Incredible movie. And for just to kind of put it in the context of the universe, Marvel got destroyed over the years for not being willing to kill people. Yes. Or that everyone, they're always win regardless they always come of out anything. On top. And here we have the complete opposite of it. It's it's the it's a great part one. I think we've seen in cinema this when this is done well, such as uh, Empire Strikes Back, when we have like the evil side winning. It, right. It, it's such a great change up if it's done really well. And this I think this movie is exactly that kind of style of, of where the villain wins. And you know you know it's not going to be the actual end. And you know and end game was scheduled. Yeah, on the chance. Obviously, they're talking about making Black Panther 2 and Spider-Man, at that point, Spider-Man yeah. 2, and all these movies, but it doesn't, I don't know, at least for me, it didn't mitigate the just the gut punch that was the end of this no, movie. No, not at all. Yeah, the stakes, you feel the stakes at the end of it, so. So that was Infinity War. Thank you guys so much for yeah. listening. Really appreciate all your comments. I think uh, we tried to incorporate some of the comments into this. We're getting some great feedback. So, you know, we're just starting out. We really have fun doing this and you know, we want to make it, we want to make it as good as we can because yeah. we like doing it and so, we want to keep doing it. So, so stay tuned. Enjoy more. Uh, enjoy more. And uh, uh, we'll stay, keep making them. We'll keep making them. Stay tuned for Endgame next week. All right. Have thanks. a good one.